All right. Hi, everybody. My name's Pallavi. Hey, everyone. It's Sharon. And welcome back to another episode of China 20s. How are we today, Sharon? <laughs> um, I just love the little <laughs> the intro. It's like But... my radio. Like I start like I just feel like I'm a radio girly now. No, every time. It, it, like you think I would get used to it by now, but it never gets There's old. There's always so. that chuckle. It's like yeah. part of the script. Really. <laughs> Um, we're good. We're good. We're a little tired, but mm -hmm. nothing, nothing crazy out of the normal. So, you know, um, overall we had a couple of days of sunshine, um, and yeah. we're back to the gloom a little again. So <laughs> I don't know about you, but there's sunshine here, but also like, let's talk about the spring weather. I, um, it's, you know, it's like the first week of Feb, second week and a half into Feb. Yeah. Um, and Wow. Am I shocked at the spring weather? And if Phil the not hedgehog, what's the animal that comes out and tells you if it's groundhog? Phil the groundhog is correct. It's going to be an early spring. But then you also look at the stats and he's like less than 40%, right? Like it's like 35, 37, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. You're like I'm better sorry. off tossing a coin. You're actually, whatever he says is actually not going to happen. It's going to be the opposite. Did I miss Groundhog Day? Did it already happen? Yeah, I saw it. I I read about it. Oh, well, I mean, Phil might be right, though, because I was not wearing a winter jacket yesterday, which is unheard of for February. Wow. Um, I am still rocking my super puff. I spent way too much money on that for me to not wear it at all the streets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I literally was like, I don't need to wait and like this is after sunset because typically like i'll make sure i'm wearing my winter jacket especially after sunset usually mm -hmm. it's colder um yeah no i did not need to bring out my heavy duty winter jacket yeah and that that did throw me off a little i'm not gonna lie and But, sunsets um, also like happening later like i just i can see I know, the day being I the day know. yeah it feels good that happened yesterday too because it was actually sunny and i was so happy because i like i finished work and i was like I just caught sunset, you know, usually when Ooh, I step outside, yeah. it's like pitch black already. So mm -hmm. that's when I noticed, but you know what, after having this conversation, we're doing good. <laughs> Yay. You know, we have something to appreciate and be grateful for. And it's sunshine these past couple of days. And I know it's not always going to be here, but it's good to appreciate it and, and demonstrate gratitude when it is. And it's good to miss it because if it's always here, we wouldn't appreciate it as much, you know? Mm, absolutely. I love that actually. Um, time for my favorite question. Yeah. What are you sipping on today? I am actually sipping on um, juice. I don't drink juice a lot, but I just had this in my fridge. It's um, cranberry juice. You know what? I thought it was apple for a second, and then I was like, I I'm not an apple girl. It says cranberry cocktail juice. Allen's, a okay. Canadian favorite. We love that. And the thing is, I don't know if I'm not a big apple juice person. I'm not a big orange juice person anymore. Cranberry juice, though, like, and cherry juice, I've been into, like, the deeper flavors I've been into. I've also become a juice girl in general since cutting out caffeine. I love a green juice. I love a beetroot, carrot, like, earthy juice. Um, and now I'm just dedicating a lot of time talking about juice. <laughs> uh, but, like, freshly squeezed. I was fresh. always a juice girl. But. Really? Cherry juice is something that's new to me. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, okay. Have, have you heard of the sleepy girl mocktail? No, I have not. Okay. So it's basically mint. 
and cherry juice and like a fizzy, like a bubbly or any kind of fizzy water. And that helps you go to sleep sooner. Interesting. Allegedly. Okay. I, I will test it out. Mocktail. But I love a mocktail. Love like we don't talk yeah. about mocktails enough in this society. And I love mint. So you know what? Perfect. Two of my favorite things right there. Um, what have you been sipping on? I was actually sipping on Fresca. <laughs> I had Wait, a Fresca. Week. Oh my gosh. The fizzy. Okay. It's, yeah. It exactly, took me so yeah. long. My mom really likes that one. Yeah. So it's like grapefruit flavor. Um, I have a weird Stop. I've never heard of that before. What? Really? The grape. I thought it was only, it only came in one flavor. Yeah. The Lemon. flavor is grape. No, no, no. It's grapefruit. Oh. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> we learned something new. <laughs> yeah no it's grapefruit girl so yeah it was it was a weird craving that I had so that's what I was sipping on today so. love that follow your cravings that's the message this week Absolutely. amongst other things <laughs> because today we are talking about advocacy in our 20s I'm excited for this topic um yeah. mainly because both of us are very passionate people mm-hmm. um so I know there are a lot of different topics that we are advocating for but overall in general I think advocacy changes as we continue to grow and the way that we show up also changes for advocacy I think and there's different forms different ways and you know it depends on what works best for each and every one of us I guess so yeah absolutely I I think that's important I think addressing that there's different different like forms of it and the fact that it evolves right during a lifetime is very important but I think uh, before we really dive into this episode um, maybe talk let's talk a little bit about what advocacy means to each of us so why don't you start us off what does advocacy mean to you Sharon great question Uh, um, advocacy I think to me essentially if I were to break it down it's coming together for a common cause or um whether it be a cause, a group of people, it can be a health issue, um, something that's you could be passionate about, but also at the same time, it's something that aligns with your moral values. Um, so to me personally, like advocating um, comes down to like people's rights, you know, um, health advocacy is pretty important to me as well, actually very important to me, um, like when it comes to women's bodies rights, you know, so coming together for those who essentially don't have that voice. Um, oftentimes it can happen within minority groups, um, those who have disabilities. So really just advocating for that um, equal rights, for equity, you know, and in different ways. And I ultimately, at the end of the day, using either our voices, using media, whether that be art, you know, there are different forms, like I said, of advocacy. Um, but in a way, passing all those things to come together to prove a point of like, you know, Hey, something's not right. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. what can we do to make it right? Yeah. I love that. How about you? Um, Great question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think advocacy means believing in something, right? It means knowing where you stand. It means doing the work in terms of like educating yourself on the issues and and informing educated, like not opinions, but like ideas rather about, about different topics. And it means that you stand up for those beliefs. I think advocacy to me is an action word, right? Like 
it's an act to go and educate yourself. It's an act to go talk to people who are impacted by a certain kind of thing around maybe equity, as you mentioned. Um, it's an act to then process that information and to actually then put your money where your mouth is and to do something about it and to be open to having those conversations and, and doing something about it doesn't always have to be a big gesture, right? It can be as simple as, um, you know, talking to a friend about it and, and having discourse and opening up this conversation and raising awareness, or it could be as big as, you know, going to big protests and, and talks and things like that. So I think that's, that's really what advocacy is. And I think one of my favorite ways to think about this, um, is a quote from Angela Davis, um, that, that goes like this. I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I am changing the things I cannot accept. I think that's a very powerful way of thinking about advocacy and, and how a lot of it has to do with the action and, and, and the change and, and values and belief systems. Absolutely. I love that quote. I agree. And even if I were to take a step back for a second, I was thinking about it too, like advocacy. Yes, of course is the action but in order to also advocate you have to listen you know you yeah like and that's where I think what you said like was the educational component kind of comes in is like what are you advocating for right like you truly do need to listen to the other side you need to listen to the people that need like that want the want to be advocated for right so Mm -hmm. it's really kind of stepping up but in order to step up you have to remember to listen truly listen and understand you know the breath and like how every story is completely different, right? Like um, I was listening to a panel actually um, a little while back about um, HIV AIDS. And I think I was telling you about this too earlier where it's, you know, um, when I think of HIV AIDS, I I tend not to think about those who are just born with it, right? And and Mm -hmm. that's another story as well, right? So, you know, truly understanding that there's different stories when it comes to different even health issues and how do you advocate for that because that's that's their story that's a different story right and understanding that in in order to understand that you have to listen to their story um so I think when it comes to advocacy an important part is also listening I agree I think I think that's that's where sometimes like you run into issues right with with the advocacy it's kind of like um you think about a lot of issues around like indigenous health um and like the mere fact that we're on stolen lands you know um Mm -hmm. and how so much of like quote-unquote advocacy has been like historically prescriptive where these stakeholders from the impacted communities aren't always at the forefront of leading those advocacy charges and that it's like oh we're going to do this and we're going to hope for the best and maybe we'll talk to one person but I think the onus falls on like the government or like all of us to kind of do the work and engage the impacted communities and I think in in this case also like I also think it's unfair to like have people advocate and have them sit on committees and give their time and then not pay them for their work because then that disproportionately impacts you know oftentimes like minority groups who are already vulnerable populations so I think that it's important to engage like communities and listen because that's really where you're going to get the most bang for your buck when you're advocating if if that's a way way to frame it but then also like recognizing that like this is an additional burden that people who are impacted or vulnerable communities like inherently bear right and 
I think that further takes away from maybe the other things that they could be doing. And it's like, also like not even the time, like you might spend like two hours on a committee a week, but thinking about the fact that like, you have to go home and process everything that happened too, right? Like the emotional burden of like reliving that is also like so, so scary to me. And like, how do you then also compensate for that? So I think there needs to be some kind of due compensation as well. So like advocacy doesn't become this tiring, like place to be. Ooh, you, yeah. Kind of nailed that one in the sense that another analogy that was, again, from another panel I was listening to, you brought up was it's that portion about being tired. And in this case, it wasn't about advocacy, but just rather um, what they were, I think we can kind of connect the two is they were just talking about, you know, how there aren't that many female leaderships or, you know, how to get like um, voices heard, for example. Mm -hmm. But what you described was like the analogy that they use is like, everyone has a car and their gas is full, right? Like that tank is full. But for some people, say for example, like what you were just mentioning, right? Like they have to use up a lot more of their gas to just maybe make it one level up, right? Mm -hmm. Or just to get their voice heard. Whereas certain people who come with more privileged backgrounds might not need to use as much gas, right? Like they'll have a lot of help in other ways. And so a part of advocacy, when you think about it, is also uplifting those quote unquote cars that are like maybe already at half tank, right? And they haven't made it that far. It's just that they have a lot more hoops and things to kind of run through and go through. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you happen to have still pretty much a full tank, like you would be someone who's great in order to help them like also advocate right and I don't know steering this conversation to even just us in our 20s you know like what are things that we find difficult when it comes to advocacy or like how do we get people to care you know and Mm -hmm. like sometimes it's fair like we might have friends around us who are just like it's not my problem you know like how do we deal with that how do we kind of showcase that no, like it's important to use your voice. It's important to have, you know, and I, I get advocacy is not personal to everyone and it, it's not a personal opinion, but it's like, how do you showcase the part that where it's like, it is more systemic as well. Yeah. That's a good question. I think, I think, I think I'm a big believer of collective action. Like I truly believe that there's power in like people coming together on an issue doing kind of the work together, right? Because it also like splits up the amount of work that you have to do and to actually moving forward as a group, kind of like a swarm of bees, which I don't know why that's the animal I thought of. Pack of wolves rather maybe. Um, But the idea that if we move together and if we have the numbers, like there is so much power in that. And part of that is like almost political, right? Like you think about like advocating at a political level, it's like if enough voters want something like, you know, that's going to make it into a platform. Um, Even though like, I don't know if politicians always follow through with what they say they're going to do. But the point being that there is power in that number and that you can cause change by like, if by like putting numbers behind an issue. And I think an example of this would be everything that went on with Black Lives Matters, right? Like it's Black History Month as we're currently recording this and when this will be published. And, you know, it's like we need to be celebrating Black voices like every day, right? Not just like a month being dedicated to it, right? We all know that. But I think in my kind of understanding of the issues, like it became much bigger after a lot of the protests had happened, right? Because there was a spotlight and there were voices behind it and there were big numbers behind it. That's not to say that there wasn't 
stuff happening before and February wasn't dedicated to Black History Month. That was the case for me growing up, like even in elementary school, middle school, throughout high school, like it was definitely integrated. Uh, but there are still institutions who have just recently like created space for Black History Month, like as recent as maybe like a year or two ago. Um, wow. So I think there's obviously like a lot more progress to be made and while it might seem like a no-brainer being people from the gta who grew up like i grew up in an inner city school to be like yeah like duh like that's not always the case around different parts of of just even canada right we think of canada as like diverse community where it's like inclusion matters but that hasn't necessarily been the case but i think the sheer amount of numbers behind those protests and like the Black Lives Matters movement really brought it to the forefront. And now we're seeing change happen. And that's why I think there's so much power in collective action and voices coming together in that way. Agreed. Yeah, I think obviously, especially with what happened with George Floyd, like really like opened up everyone's eyes um, because I think it was a lot more easier for people to be ignorant to it, right? Like, and pretend like, yeah, you know, I don't see it. Again, out of sight, out of mind, you know, that mentality that just kind of keeps... Some unfortunately just, you know, coming over all of us. Um, and everything you said is true. It, it It is unfortunate that, you know, it's always interesting when I talk to my friends as well, like especially my black friends, they'll be like, you know, the irony is that we get the shortest month as well, you know, out of the year. And you know what? There is truth to that in a way because I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like what are the odds, you know, that also happens. But mm-hmm. even us talking about this right now, you know, like as part of like, our podcast and like you know it's just highlighting the fact that like this goes beyond this month (laughs) you know allyship is definitely something that's constantly there and you know that comes with advocacy it comes with learning it comes with unlearning right like we we come from you know growing up in an era where it was different and there's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen as well and 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 that's part of our process right and like I I think at the end of the day when it comes to advocacy it truly is one of those things where it's, it really does open your eyes up a bit more because a you kind of have to seek it out as well mm-hmm. um, to be surrounded by people who challenge you, who challenge the way you're thinking, and then ultimately they are also you know able to kind of pull up the facts of being like, hey, but like look at look at this, like look at what's actually going on outside of your bubble, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I think that's something that's challenging because we also do have to seek it. And I think especially with our friends, I think something simple that you can do is like, you know, if you do see something interesting on the news, or if you see something that's happening in your neighborhood, you see something that's happening down South, like, you know, our neighbors are um, bringing that up, addressing it, you know, whether it be with your normal, like your regular group of friends, or, you know, I'd say even bring it up with like, you know, sometimes like I've I've noticed there's a group of friends of mine, like we are way more open to discussing these things, Mm -hmm. you know, versus other groups of friends where it's like, okay, why am I hesitant, hesitant to bring it up? Like, is it because I'm nervous about what their opinion is? Or it's like, yeah. And maybe I'm just like thinking about like the guys or something. I don't know. (laughs) But it's like, but it's one of those things where I'm literally like, sometimes I'm just like, I'll bring it up and like, they'll bring it up too. And it's like, we'll have, we have a little bit of a back and forth, but and at the end of the day, I think we challenge each other. And I think that's important. I think it's important to be able to challenge each other in terms of like understanding because then, at, then at, at some point it will click it will click and you'll be like yeah you're right like why didn't I see it this way before or you know maybe this is an interesting perspective let me go do some more research on this I think I that's know. so fair but like to your point around like being in a bubble um, so I will address like why sometimes it's harder to have those conversations but before that we haven't done this in a while um, 
I think we need to acknowledge our privilege. Like we're inherently privileged sitting where we are, just like having a safe place to even be recording this and for me to edit this, for you to do the socials and to to post all of that. When in reality around the world, that's not the case. Like there is so much instability. People don't have food, water, like access to safety, not just like physical and even psychological safety. Um, So I think it's really important to acknowledge that privilege here today. And also understanding that, a lot of events have cascaded around the world these past past few months, right? Especially thinking about stuff since October. Like I've I've had friends um, who I've seen, you know, go through really rough times. It does impact us. But with that, even again, there's privilege sitting here in in, in Canada with 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 the safety that we have. But recognizing that it's an uneven playing ground because of that. Right. And I think we can talk about advocacy in safe ways because that's what we do. But I've seen journalists who are in the middle of like conflict who I really admire who refuse to leave because it's so important to tell those stories. And that's what advocacy is. That is what stepping outside of your bubble means, right? Listening to those stories, having those conversations. And sometimes you're not going to get that within your bubble, right? Within that friend group that you have. Like sometimes you're going to have to go out of your way to like, meet with groups or, you know, go online and 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 see what the dissenting opinion might be just to further step outside of your comfort zone, um, to understand the conflict from a different perspective. And I think that's something we should all do, right? And that's not to say that like your mind is going to get changed or like your core values might change, but that is to say that it, it can build empathy and it can help you understand like the side like that you might be supporting for a specific advocacy issue even better. Um so there's that piece. The second piece around um, around like feeling like not necessarily want to talk about things. I think sometimes like I get that way because I don't want to say the wrong things, especially because there are so many people that sometimes I'm around who seem to be like, quote unquote, experts on stuff like and that's not necessarily because they have lived experience. That's just because of like their different occupations or or their day to day like things that they deal with. And sometimes it is lived experience. So it feels awkward to like, you know, be a part of that conversation when not that it has nothing to do with you. I think as long as there is oppression in the world, it has something to do with with us. And we have a duty as humans to to stand up for what is right and, and the rights of others and all of that stuff. But I just think sometimes it's hard to like get a word in when you don't feel like you're an expert. I feel almost afraid to say the wrong thing because I know that that can cause more harm to a community. Um, but I guess, you know, a way around that is is asking more questions and trying to genuinely like understand rather than prescribe or come from a place of like getting your opinion and I think sometimes it's so easy to just like want to get a word in to a conversation that we forget to listen and and we forget that asking questions is just as important as like talking about stuff that's like not in a question format agreed yeah you literally came to it near the end we're just literally like again actively listening and having that Enjoying like sense word. of exactly <laughs> I went on a roller coaster <laughs> On that tangent, <laughs> you know what we need? We need a sponsor. That's like that tangent was brought to you by cranberry <laughs> juice. <laughs> no, for real. Like, I mean, I saw I saw your wheels turning in there. Like, that's why I was like, there it is, there it is. Um, and I agree. Yeah, like it just comes to that point of actively listening, ask, being curious. I having that sense of empathy with curiosity. That is amazing. If you can bring that to the table wherever you go. And, you know, again, it's more of like 
how you ask the question as well. You know, if you're mm-hmm. coming at it in a in a way where it's like you're trying to be argumentative, that's not how you go about it either. If it's no. purely you being empathetic and you coming out of the sense of like curiosity, I think the person receiving that question will know and they'll understand that. They'll understand that you're not trying to like be condescending or, you know, yeah. you're not. And I think that is important too, is how you ask these questions, you know? Um, and when? Like read a room, like this person's exhausted and you're like, so tell me more about this trauma of you being (laughs) in that room. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? Like, and you brought up the part about media too. And this is something where I'm learning more and more to be careful. Granted, I don't have TikTok. So, Mm -hmm. but I know the algorithm can be, can be pretty scary. And even like when we think back to the last presidential election in the States, for example, um, and how targeted Trump was with his media, right? Mm-hmm. Like there was a certain group of people that he was targeting and that's all that they saw. So, yeah. you know, like there is, unfortunately that's out of media as well that you also have to be careful about, right? Like you do really need to see two sides of the story because sometimes our our personal feeds are catered to us. And that's something that we all need to remember as well. So it's like, you know, seeking those outside sources, like we said, it's, it's important because I'm not saying go through your feed because at the end of the day, your feed is going to be pretty tailored to you and what you like. But there is some control. Like I remember, I don't know if you remember this. And obviously like social media moves at the pace of light nowadays. But I remember this like movement called like diversify your feed. And like the idea was that like so much of the faces you would see in like the beauty world, like, you know, those like makeup gurus and stuff would be like people with fair skin tones and you wouldn't Mm -hmm. necessarily see you know a lot of like brown and black women in the space and that's why like the whole I think it was like a hashtag a couple years back like hashtag diversify your feed like the idea that if your feed isn't showing you that because like the algorithms made a certain way I think there is some onus on you to then like search up names of these like people who maybe are are from like different diverse backgrounds and diversify your own feed and that's that's how it happens right like you have to actively also be a participant in your feed if there's content that like is a little bit problematic like don't engage with it but it's funny because like so much of the problematic stuff online gets engaged with like you see the most problematic men get a platform on the internet and i'm like that's the opposite of advocacy but like spell advocacy backwards because that's what you're doing (laughs) you know what you said is something I've actually been actively doing as well really? is yeah I have like if there's something that I find like or I'm like oh I will not like it I will not like you know what I mean there's certain things I I know as soon as I like that post I'm gonna see more of those type of posts mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where it's like I have actively been doing now where it's like I have been diversifying my feed so it's nice. been good in that sense where it's like honestly just a lot more food now that is what I mean by diversifying love that I absolutely yeah, yeah. With with all of that being said, right, like we've kind of spoken about um, like advocacy in terms of like what it means to us and and all these different avenues of of like little ways potentially, like whether that's from diversifying your feed to like learning about the issue and listening and maybe even some of the barriers. Like I guess what – like it can be tiring though, right? Like if you're kind of at the forefront of an issue, like it can be really hard. So – how do we then keep going? Like, what about like, like wellness and advocacy? Because I feel like that is something that is not talked about. And I think I can come at this from like the perspective of a medical student where like one of our competencies is advocacy. You're working in a resource constrained environment, burnout rates like are something that you continuously hear about. And so much of what you do has to do with like 
Like, you know, people experience moral fatigue. People experience like advocacy fatigue because, you know, we talk about like social determinants of health and like inherent inequities that you're going to see in practice. And that's obviously like a really hard like human experience to come face to face with. And it also like makes you question your own privilege, like just by the virtue of like, like which family I was born into, like all of that. And I think so many of us want to like advocate inherently because I think the medical programs attract a certain like type almost. Um, But how do you then not get tired through that with all the stuff that you see? How do we look at advocacy as something that's sustainable? I don't know. That's a that's a great question because I was thinking of a time where I felt so defeated, even though like as a woman, and I mean it didn't even it didn't even happen in Canada, but it happened in the States. Like I don't remember I don't know if you remember like when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know what it was, but that really hurt me. Like I was like, I am not in the States, I know that. But for some reason as a woman, it made me so angry to like even think of the fact that like, wow, we still have to fight for the rights of our own body. Yeah, and... it felt like a slap in the face. Exactly. So like, you know, and uterus and... actually. <laughs> and, and like that's the thing. Like we can it's just sad. Like I, I think about that moment because in that moment I did feel defeated. I felt like I was like, how do we keep pushing through this? And the thing is we still do, right? Because yeah. that's that's what women have to <laughs> and I'm, I'm not like obviously saying that it's only women I know I know at the end of the day a lot of communities were supporting it but that was an example for me personally where I felt like I felt a little defeated if I'm being yeah. completely candid like I genuinely got teary-eyed I was like this is this is completely like it's it's annoying it's so annoying and like that frustration so like hearing you say that like you know coming from that wellness perspective like I'm like that's so important it's so key because in that moment like I still have that like that bit of like anger and that bit of feeling too but it's definitely subsided right and you know like I've we talked we talked to other people about it my friend made a joke she like she lives in the state she's like I'm moving back to Canada like but like you know it was just like that initial reaction right because we're all just so angry but it's how do you how do you recover from that yeah time it sounds like, you know, like almost joking about it, um, time. But then it's also kind of like like the other side of the coin there is like if we kind of wait for things to kind of fizzle out and settle out, like obviously there's like a politically correct way of doing things, right? Like we have jobs, we have like people above us that if we really want to go hard at an issue and if, you know, an institution isn't aligned with that issue, that's not going to go over well. Right. So I think it's interesting that like advocacy has to be so calculated in today's so day and age. Be- yeah, because your like livelihood could be at stake. And we we saw that around Canada with, you know, suspensions of students and, and residents and, and whatnot. But I just think that it's it's so interesting to me that you, you can't actually stand up for your beliefs because it doesn't align with kind of the institutional interest. But I think at the end of the day, like what's silly is that it's it's crazy to me that that's still the mindset today, like even at workplaces trying to make change happen. Like there's so much red tape because like think about all the times that institutions were wrong. Like historically speaking, like the oppression that happened, you know, like I'm still shocked at the fact that residential schools were a thing. Like I have not gotten over that. Like the, like the trauma of all of that, like that was an institutionally propagated thing. 
and not too long ago and like if yeah like i was like the same years that i think we i think we were still around when the actually no it might have been no. like yeah before like but like a decade before or something that they shut it down but that's still wild to me like that is recent history like that's all happening in the 1800s like people were alive like our parents were alive during that yeah it makes Inter- me really mad. In, like literally interracial marriage only became like legalized in like the 60s like the late sorry 60s. what that Inter- was illegal yeah yeah <laughs> yeah interracial marriage same thing with only... sex same sex marriages in, 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 in the states, states. Yeah. that was during our lifetime in the states yeah. i remember yeah and so like same thing with like interracial marriages like late 60s like our grandparents are like that's like that's what i'm saying like a lot of these like things it's what you said is like it's true because ah, that's the double-edged sword with advocacy is like because there's still a way where you're somewhat still silenced you know yeah. um and that's i don't know <laughs> i don't mm. <laughs> as oprah would say were you silent or were you silenced and guess what it was both yeah ultimately and, and it's it's sad because it's true later on watch 10 years from now it's going to be like apology statements again you know like it and and that's the cycle that for some reason we haven't been able to fully break and, and i remember it was there was a tweet it was the same thing it was like you know you're welcome for telling you what you were doing wrong like 10 years ago but thank you for finally acknowledging it you know what i mean it's like it's, there's just so many things when we look back at history like you keep hoping like you know the pandemic happened you know there was a moment of like care but now we're back again like it's just how many things need to keep happening over and over again for all of us to just be like our eyes are opened but and and the thing is like to spin this in a positive way (laughs) um what i can say though is i have noticed a lot more people caring which is good um especially i want to say like those who are younger than us like i i'm I myself am personally shocked, especially when I see like kids that I grew up with, like, you know, we're like, I'm solid, like 10 years older than them. And they're probably more educated than I am in a lot of these topics, you know, and just seeing that they have that thirst as well to make things yeah. better. That gives me hope, you know, like that's that true. Does, that does give me hope. Um, and I think each generation it. does have that, you know, like where it's like, we yeah. all like, as, like, that's what I think at the end of the day, like even my parents, like, you know, I've noticed a, th- a thing with them where it's like, you know, they'll actually listen to us now too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, okay, like, you know, we, we got to understand what's going on now. Like, they're open to change, which is which is huge because I can't say the same if my grandparents were like that, right? So you can see that there is a change that is happening, you know, with each generation, which I'm, which I personally am taking it in a positive sense, so. I agree. I think the future is hopeful in that I think change is slow and maybe we're doing things today that are going to be like wrong, <laughs> you know, 50 years from now, maybe we'll be in a position where somebody will be like, Hey, like, that's not the right way to do things. I think you're thinking about this from this perspective and that's not the most inclusive perspective. And I think we have to be willing to be called out by those who come after us. Um, and we also have to be willing to kind of pass the baton forward, right? Like the amount of U S senators that are, a little bit on the older side not that this isn't ageism this is just the truth okay like i just think there's like a different way that like different values that they grew up with and like we know that diverse teams produce better outcomes and diversity isn't just like you know like ethnic or gender-based diversity but also like age-based diversity right like younger people might bring in different perspectives when they do come to council or whatever you call the senate Mm -hmm. whatever it's called um but i do think the future is hopeful and i think one of the things that i'm like really or like issues that i'm excited to follow though i will say i haven't been following 
to my best, like with my best efforts is environmental justice. I do think that the generations like after us or even our generation have definitely made that a talking point and it's being talked about more and more as we see, unfortunately, <laughs> tragedies around the world, right? Um, it's, it. I mean, the system continues to be inherently reactive, but apparently the ozone layer is fixing itself. So, I did see that, yeah. You know, maybe Which, I'm going to give the credit to the kids. I know. <laughs> it's like, the irony is like me being thankful about the spring weather in February. <laughs> when really, that was literally us. Oh, my God. When really, I was oh like, hey, okay. you know what? Maybe that isn't the best thing for our planet. The way we advocated for climate change earlier in this episode. <laughs> Anyways, climate justice, everybody. Let's do one thing for the planet this week. You, you know, know, like, it'll be good for you and, and the future. Oh, my God. Who was talking about this? And where did I see this? Um, How they said at the end of the day, it's like corporations and stuff. They put the blame back on you to make you seem that you need to, like, recycle and, you know, oh, yeah. keep, keep on doing things. When it's like at the end of the day, if they just figured out ways to minimize it because who's polluting more it's the corporations and you know what we should do we should somebody should do this that somebody will not be me because i'm tired but air tag your recycling and see where it actually goes i bet it doesn't go where you think it goes i'm not saying recycling is a conspiracy but i i just i feel like something about it like you're trusting you're trusting people to know what to recycle what not to recycle i'm not gonna okay this is like this was a scandal back at the school that we both went to. Oh, apparently, oh. apparently, when you looked at their garbage, that's that's what I'm referring to. Gotcha. Their garbage, like you know how you go to like universities. This was back in this was like years ago. So like obviously maybe they made a change, but like they have like dividers, right? They have like a the same bin has a recycling and a like garbage bag bin but then somebody removed it and it was one bag for both of them so your recycling and your garbage bag went into the same thing and it was the biggest scandal of the century i don't know if anybody advocated but like think about that they told us to recycle only for it to go in the same bin i completely forgot about that until you just start talking that's why like i burst out laughing in the side there because i was like oh my god yeah you're right that, did that actually happen. happened that actually genuinely happened where's the institutional accountability i don't remember an apology coming through I was personally victimized by recycling, the recycling agenda, only for it to be. <laughs> yeah, you're bin. you're actually very right. Um, I guess don't trust it unless it's two separate bins, y'all. <laughs> yeah, that's what we learned. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, yeah, like that's, sorry, this is actually to relate to the fact that like institutions have a responsibility and, but that doesn't like, but then we're all part of institutions. Like we're all actively like an institution isn't just an institution on its own. There's clearly people involved and there's power dynamics. So that doesn't mean that you just sit there and wash your hands and say, oh my God, it's not me, it's the institution. You know, um, we still have a lot of work to do, but the future can be hopeful given that we have really cool young people moving the needle forward, older people too, not to say that young people are doing all the work. I think the groundwork has been laid by generations ahead of us to to make a change, Um and I think speaking for it, speaking also on it in the healthcare context, I think it's been, you know, the sacrifices of so many um, like like patients and, and non-patients, right? Because we know historically testing was done like 
breast cancer is a really good example of this on black women. It's been truly like communities that have, have given so much to medicine for the needle to move forward and for innovation and, and medical treatments to happen. And that I want to acknowledge in this episode. And I want to continue to advocate for those stories to be told um, and for us to really be aware of the space that we hold for others. Um, and Sharon, you had mentioned the word allyship before. Um, and a lot of that is listening and, and asking, hey, like, where do you want me in this um, situation? This is, you know, about you. This is an issue that is important to all of us, but this is, you know, you're, you're directly the party that's impacted. Like, what is my role here? I think it's okay to ask that and, and to take that role on instead of speaking for that group or population. So lots of work to do, but we're going to remain hopeful when it comes to advocacy. Absolutely. Very well said. At the end of the day, I think it comes down to doing your research, you know? Um, and again, I think if you can find ways to lessen the burden on, that person's, for example, that you're trying to advocate for, you know, do it like that. It, you know, at the end of the day, you, you are, or we are, I'm going to say we, me, myself, I'm privileged enough where it is. I do have access to internet. I do have access to, you know, a local library. So I, I can go and, you know, do the research myself. And I think that's what's important is because even throughout this episode, you heard Paul v and I kind of saying, I'm tired, you know, well, and I'm tired of this. yeah. And like, it's, it's even our own like cries for help as well, because, you know, if you are someone who's more privileged than us, like, you know, if you are a man or if you are, you know, of a different ethnic background where it's like, you, you know, that you carry a certain level of privilege, like, you know, like that's to say that like, use that, you know, use that for good, <laughs> yeah. use that to uplift those voices that, you know, might not have the same amount of privilege as you do. Um, and in the same way, we're going to do the same too, for those who aren't as privileged as us, obviously, right? Like, and I think that's the ultimate goal here is that for us to realize where we stand and, you know, what we can do to continue, like you said, whether it be in the medical field, whether it be um, environmental, you know, political in whatever ways we can continue to advocate for justice and for equity, I think, we are privileged enough to be in a generation where we can do that, where we can voice our opinions. And even us yeah. talking about this right now, it's something that I'm sure generations ago, people wish they could, you know, put I their voice out there. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. And can we just acknowledge the fact that you said, go to the library? That was shocking. We have chat GPT and the internet now, ma'am. You know what it is? I have been actually going to the library recently. Wait, what? Like yeah. the Toronto public library? Yeah. I That's have. crazy. Um, I went and this is, I realized I stepped into the reference library, which is massive, by the way. Okay. That's um, different. That's like aesthetic. I feel <laughs> it like. is. <laughs> I, I, I stepped into that one. And then I also stepped into a local one that's cl a bit closer to me too. And it kind of just felt good. I don't know how to explain it. Um, I hadn't done it since God knows like 2019, like forever. And I was like, yeah. why have I not done this? And it, it was a good sense of like, it reminded me of like, there is knowledge that is available to me right here too, you know? So um, not that I needed to read books there as more so I just went for the space, but, yeah. it, it, but it was like that reminder, you know, it was a reminder that people are still using it. It was pretty busy. And um, yeah, that's why I said the library. It's because I've been just, recently doing that. Like, wow. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think this was a great episode. I think it's a great chance for us to kind of talk things through about, you know, advocacy in our twenties and, what we're currently going through, what we feel like, what our friends might potentially be going through. And we hope that you picked up something useful from this episode. And like Pelvi ended it off is, I think that's key is like, you know, to remain hopeful um, as much as we feel defeated in certain moments, if we look back, there has also still been progress 
that has been made. And we have a lot of that to thank for those who came before us, you know? Um, so I think in a weird way, I'm thankful for all of our ancestors, for all of the advocacy that they had to do for the things that currently we're able to do and talk about right now. So, um, this is a shout out to our ancestors as well, I guess, <laughs> in a weird way. Um, and we just want to say thank you for listening to this episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Um, and wherever you are, whatever time of day you're listening to this, I hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your day or night. And um, I think our takeaway challenge today, like Colby said, is maybe do something for the environment this week if you can, you know? Pick that. Yeah. It was on my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like always, uh, give us a rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us on our socials at Chiner20s. And we will see you next time. Bye.